This is a Kitty Pod production. The Keep It To Yourself podcast was taped in front of a live, yet limited, masked, and socially distant audience. From Television City in Hollywood. Welcome to episode 104 of the Keep It To Yourself podcast, the most above average podcast ever to hit your ear holes. And the most socially distant too, it seems. Well, maybe after you hear this first part, you'll think otherwise. But anyway, just the same, I'm your host, your humble host, that is Jason Bullitt. The regulator, innovator, dominator, creator, updater, pussy, imitator, assassinator, baby. Demand the hour, woo, too sweet to be sour, Jack. And I'm coming to you from the rolling hills of Saratoga County, New York. As you heard our little opening number at the beginning of this episode, it is the 1st of September, 2020. We are nearing the end of what many would say, and by many I mean me, the weirdest and most depressing summer you, I, or anybody has ever spent in our lives. I've been on this earth 37 years. I cannot think anything more weird or more depressing as far as summers go. But we're getting to the end of it. Just let that sink in for a bit. I almost forgot. Okay, what am I supposed to do next? All right, a little bit of levity, break the tension. Anyway, let's get to my social media plug before I get myself in an even deeper hole than I already am. You can find this podcast on Twitter at keep underscore podcast. There's the Keep It To Yourself Facebook page. There's the world's loneliest email, kitypod at gmail.com. So if you want to use that outmoded method of communication, you can go ahead and do so and put in your comments. I truly appreciate the support. You can also listen to this podcast and download it too. Won't cost you nothing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or the podcast if you're choosing. Just paste my feed in there. You're good to go. Okay, so what has the world been like to J. Michael Bullitt? Well, I've had two more face-to-face meetups, not like Zoom or anything of that nature. One happened just about a couple of weeks ago. My friend Dave wound up having his first face-to-face meetup in five months since this whole pandemic began. And just like with the Autism Support Group, more on them later, we met at this place called Jumpin' Jacks. I mentioned them in the last episode. It's this great place, this nice little drive-in seasonal food joint outside Schenectady, New York. And you get all manner of stuff there like hamburgers, cheeseburgers, fish fries, sausage and peppers. I went for that. That was so good. The next morning, though, I felt like, oh, maybe I should have had the sausage and peppers last night. Well, there was another sickness going around. I'm sure you've heard of it. More on that later. It was a very well-attended little get-together we had at Jumpin' Jack's. By all accounts, 17 people were there. So I don't know if there was any social distancing going on, try as we did. But it was great seeing everybody face-to-face, even though, well, you couldn't get too close and they're all masked up, much like your boy. But it was great, and I also went for the ice cream, too. 
both visits to Jumpin' Jack's, you never not go for the ice cream. I didn't. I did that. Hello, made me feel great. A little stutter step there. Never mind. Anyway, I decided to go for cherry ice cream. I had s'mores last time. I said, let's get cherry ice cream. Let's really polish this bad boy off. Special occasion. So on that note, I went in. The cherry ice cream was good. I was ready to leave about 8 o'clock. I know I'm going to miss about half of AEW Dynamite that night. And it was all good seeing everybody again. I got a picnic on the Saturday of Labor Day weekend. You'll hear about that in the next episode. Speaking of this episode, I didn't really give it a topic. We're going to talk two of my biggest things. One more recent and the other that's been with me for a number of years. And the two combined this past summer, I've really been enjoying it. It's old-time radio and true crime coming together. I'm going to give you my favorite shows dealing with crime. As aired on the Golden Age of Radio many, many, many decades ago. So look forward to that if you've nothing better to do. Some of you are still in quarantine. What the hell are you going to do? Anywho, it's... I have to press the cough there. Never mind. By comparison, the following weekend, there was a much smaller gathering, and these were members of my autism support group. And we met up at this park in suburban Albany, New York, called Tawasintha Park. It was a bit of a hike for me, but I was more than willing to do it. I bought some lemon roll from a local supermarket chain. Hashtag not a sponsor. I'm not going to mention their name. No free plugs here. I went and got that that morning. Then I found out sometime before I was set to leave that the host of this little get-together, this picnic, as it were, said, hey, listen, if you could do so, bring some mustard and bring some ketchup. Well, we had tons of mustard here at the house, so I just brought me a, a spare bottle we had over in the cupboard, brought that, like, oh, wait, we don't really have any extra ketchup line or I'm going to have to go purchase it. So I went to this little discount store. Discount score? Discount store. Well, the discount score, kind of, because I got this bottle of organic ketchup, which was reasonably priced as organic foods go, but this was a discount chain I'm also not going to mention. It was like $3, which for a discount store, that's how organic foods go. Like, I'm more than willing to pay that price. So, picked up the goodies. Off I went. Only four people attended. It was a much smaller gathering. The park was quiet. What would normally be quiet in the... Or not quiet. What would normally be almost crowded to the gills on a nice day like what we had in the pre-pandemic times. Actually did quiet down. There was only four of us and... There was this playground nearby, and that got a little action, especially most of the time we were there. A mother and her two little kids were just socking the ball over there in the playground. So at hamburgers, hot dogs, you know, typical picnic fare, nothing completely out of the way, out of the ordinary, one thing or another. And it was all good. I had a great time seeing everybody. Now, I'm glad it was a much smaller occasion because I had found out that day, sometime before the picnic, the one time I logged into Facebook, there was an article from the website of our NBC affiliate, one of the local news stations I follow on the social medias. And this story had come out that there had been a low-risk coronavirus outbreak. There I go, mention it again. There had been a low-risk exposure to COVID-19 when one of the employees was working this separate building. Now, Jumpin' Jacks, 
there's one little stand where you get the food, but if you want ice cream, you know, slushes, slush drinks, sundaes, one thing or another like that, all matters of sweet treats, you got to go actually inside to this other building on the left. So that's where I went and got the ice cream. Well, the one time I log into Facebook, I get word, come to find out, that there had been a low-risk coronavirus outbreak in that building. One of the employees tested positive. And all the employees who worked in that part of the complex, as it were, voluntarily quarantined. The State Department of Health did not ask them to do so. They were not forced by any government mandate. They did so merely out of volition, of their own accord, and out of public safety. So, as there, I don't know if it's open right now again, but the ice cream building has been closed since that Saturday when I logged on to Facebook and got the news. And, of course, Dad found out about it before he and his companion left for North Adams, Massachusetts the following Sunday, the back end of the weekend. And, like, well, what do you think I should do? Well, the State Department of Health said... It's not mandatory for me to quarantine, but do monitor your health in the coming days. Now, I found out about 2 to 10 days is the incubation period for COVID-19. And there were days during that time where I'm like, well, I don't know. Could be. Might be showing signs, as Bill Pito on ESPN Sports Center once said back in the day. But I made it through all right. And for that, I'm grateful. So, your boy, your humble host, did not get knocked down with the Rona. Thank the good Lord above. Well, all this talk of coronavirus has really got me thinking about simpler times, and we're going to do just that. Before we go way back into the golden age of real, we're going to go back into the almost but not quite recent past. And we take you back now to the year 2004. Back in 2004, kind of, and the number one song on the Billboard charts this week, back in 2004, as we were wrapping up that wonderful summer, Lean Back by Fat Joe and the Terror Squad. That was the clean version that you saw, more fit for radio than anything else. But either way, that was number one, top of the charts, as yours truly was one week into senior year at Castle State College, now Castle University. Unfortunately, it was a bit of a somber affair as the teacher who was my first year advisor had lost a battle with breast cancer just as the school year began. So one little bit there. There'll be more coming up later on in this segment. What a year it was in the news. George W. Bush was re-elected president of the United States, defeating John Kerry in the elections. Spaceship One marked the beginning of space tourism, kinda. That launched the Mars rover land. I remember watching Sports Center. This was Third day of January, or going into the fourth day of January, so this was Saturday night, come to Sunday morning. And of all things, I was watching ESPN Sports Center, Linda Cohn and Kevin Frazier. Kevin Frazier wrapped up the show by saying, Y'all can not be worried anymore, something like that. The Mars Lo- the Mars Rover just landed, and the Mars Lover landed too. Hello. Made me feel good, you know. 
So what an achievement that was. It was a great year on the world stage too. Saddam Hussein, who was caught towards the end of 2003 in Iraq, was put on trial. Jean-Bertrand Aristide was overthrown in Haiti. And towards the end of 2004, on Boxing Day, the day after Christmas 2004, a terrible tsunami hit the South Pacific, Indonesia, Malaysia. Devastation, death everywhere you look. There is a true crime incident here in New York's capital region, which I have covered on a previous episode of my other podcast, CR Crime. Check that out on this feed. It was the arrest of Imams Yassin Aref and Mohammed Hossein from a mosque in Albany. I'll refer you to that episode of CR Crime if you want all the deets on that. Climate change had itself a moment in 2004 when not one, not two, not three, but four, count them four, one, two, three, four hurricanes hit Florida within a month and a half of each other. Hurricanes Charlie, Francis, Ivan, and Gene all took aim and did their worst on the Sunshine State. Thank goodness I wasn't down there. <laughs> this is a little story related to Derek Pedrick almost a year and a half ago when I had him live on the Keep It To Yourself podcast. Remember when you can do such things, just meet face-to-face and not to wear masks in it and social distancing? I told him the story that once I had got, completed my SATs, I put in for a mailing service. One of the mailers I got was a come-on from the University of Tampa down in Florida. Could you imagine the stories I would have told from the start of senior year? They had two. They would, by the time I got back down there for senior year, there would have been two hurricanes in the books and two more to go. We'd have been halfway home on that whole deal. <laughs> oh, man. And one of my biggest regrets, uh, I uh, hate this one, was I put in for the application to, to go down and spend a semester at Disney World. And somehow I turned that down. It turned out to be the biggest regret not going down there. I would have had stories of surviving hurricanes, too, if only for that. But alas, I think things turned out well for myself. I really didn't need the mouse to guide me through. One debut of note, and that is Facebook. Social media started taking off somewhat. When this seemingly innocent college student named Mark Zuckerberg in his Harvard dormitory came up with this little, you know, little application or website, web service, where you could see what your friends were doing. They could see their posts and whatnot. I wonder what became of it. Well, that's one debut and not much reverse here. We get, it's going to be more debuts than anything else as we go along here. However, there were a number of obits, a number of important people left us in 2004, and there's a whole bunch of them, so everybody get ready. Max Geldre. I hate the, I don't know why he's in the leadoff spot here, but toward the end of my time at Castellan and into the first few years of postgraduate real world life, I had gotten an interest in British comedies, and The Goon Show was the first one of all. There was this gentleman by the name of Max Geldre, who was born in the Netherlands but emigrated to England. And his main task on the show was to provide interstitial music with the house band. He played a harmonica, a jazz harmonica. Not too many people can make that claim or that boast. Max passed in 2004. He spent his later years kind of in solitude. And he wound up for a time working as a counselor at the Betty Ford Clinic over in California, the world's most famous rehab facility. Well, back to people that are well-known around the world coming from this country, Ronald Reagan. 41st president of the United States of America. Actually, 40th president. Uh, just so you know, my father was 41. All right, thank you, W. 
You know, the 40th president of the United States, Ronald Reagan, was. He died the day of the Belmont Stakes. How about that? And speaking of death, the woman who wrote about death, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, she met her end in 2004, came up with the five stages of grief. Don't I know it? Julia Child, a staple of public television. PBS had this French cooking show. Well, let's see how this comes out now. Marlon Brando, speaking of impressions, wonderful actor. I saw him the year that he passed away. I was in an intro to film studies class, and one of the films they showed was On the Waterfront, one of his best works ever. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. But he gained worldwide fame for playing Don Vito Corleone in The Godfather. Jack Parr, an early pioneer of television. He was the second host of The Tonight Show. He came after Steve Allen, but he later set the stage for Johnny Carson. Ray Charles. I went to Castleton with a man by the name of Ray Charles, but thankfully this was not him. This was a, a performed by the name of Ray Charles. And this year he died, the biopic of him starring Jerry Fox, or Jimmy Fox. Jamie Fox, Jeremy Fox, Jimmy Fox, Johnny Fox. Actually, it was Jamie Fox. Hello. Whoops. <laughs> Uh, Jamie Foxx, he starred in this biopic called Ray, and there was a little dedication to Ray Charles at the end. Bob Keeshan, if you're of a certain age, you know who Bob Keeshan was. Captain Kangaroo, he started your mornings. Princess Juliana of the Netherlands, going back to Max Geldre for a bit. Sir Alistair Cook, not an actor, but a journalist and broadcaster from Britain who lived here in the United States and did a series on BBC Radio called Post Postcards from America and Postcards from America. I gotta get my lips fixed. Jesus. Paul Winfield. If you watched A&E back in the day, he was the narrator of this crime show. The name escapes me for uh, for a second there. I forgot the name of it was, but that was his voice. Somebody will fill me in. Isabel Sanford. Wheezy from the Jeffersons. We lost her in 2004. Jack Tunney, former president of the World Wrestling Federation. Now World Wrestling Entertainment. He left in 2004. Never fucking again would we see the likes of him. Faye Ray. You don't know who Faye Ray was. She was the poor young woman who got trapped up by King Kong, and next thing you know, she's on top of the Empire State Building with him in that movie. Spoilers. Peter Ustinov, another titan of the silver screen. Elmer Bernstein, who provided musical scores to some of the greatest movies of all time. Robert Pastorelli, character actor. He was the painter of Murphy Brown's house in the series starring Candace Bergman. Francis Crick, one half of the team of Watson and Crick that discovered the shape of DNA. Pat Tillman, this one really got, this was a surprise here. Pat Tillman gave up earning ungodly sounds of money, hitting people on a football field. He decided to give all that up and go fight for his country, the United States of America. He signed up for the Green Berets, one of the elite groups of the United States Army. Got killed in friendly fire in Afghanistan on April 23rd of 2004. I remember when the news broke that day. And there was an investigation years later. There may have been some um, flim-flammery afoot on the part of the Defense Department. Tony Randall, great actor of television and movies. On the television version of The Odd Couple, he played he played Felix. I thought he played Oscar. No, that was, that was Jack Klugman. Estee Lauder. Fashion designer, had her own perfume. Laura Branigan, she came back to prominence last year when the St. Louis Blues made their Stanley Cup run, Play Gloria. Johnny Ramone, another great musician. 
We lost Didi Ramone in 2001. Now we got Johnny Ramone. He went to the big recording studio in the sky. Peter, you I mentioned Peter Houston, right? Great actor. The big boss man, Ray Trailer Jr. He went to the big square circle in the sky in 2004. Janet Lee, back to the movies. She was the female lead in the 1960 Alfred Hitchcock classic Psycho. <laughs> She's the poor one to get stabbed in the bathroom in the shower. Jerry Goldsmith, another composer, he passed in 2004. John Peel, an influential British DJ, the Peel Sessions. Christopher Reeve, this one got me. 25 years ago, Christopher Reeve, the man noteworthy for playing Superman in those movies. He was riding his horse and he got paralyzed. Nine years later, he passes on. Rodney Dangerfield, well, I'll tell you, I don't get no respect, I'll tell you. He passed in 2004. The guy got into comedy after selling, like, Windows. Not Microsoft Windows, but, you know, Windows you look out of. And one of the great comedians and a great character actor. Caddyshack is one of my favorite movies of all time. And he all but stole the show in that movie. He ad-libbed most of his lines. ODB, Old Dirty Bastard of the Wu-Tang Clan. He passed in 2004. He did some time at Dan Amore. I referenced that in another episode of CR Crime at the start of the four-episode series about the Dan Amore prison break of 2015. Theo Van Gogh. He was a member of the Van Gogh family. His great-granduncle was Vincent Van Gogh, the Dutch artist. He passed away in 2004. Way too young, 47 years of age. Unfortunately, he was murdered. There's a story on him. Van Gogh was shot and stabbed by Mohamed Bouyeri while cycling to work on November 2nd, 2004 at about 9 o'clock in the morning. This is according to the Wikipedia article. Bouyeri also injured some bystanders and left on the scene a note containing death threats to Ayan Hirsi Ali, whoever he was, who had gone into hiding. The note also threatened Western countries and Jews and referred to ideology to the Egyptian organization Takfir Wal Hijra. Never heard of him. Two figures in the ongoing Mideast peace process were killed in 2004. At least they met different ends. Ahmed Yassin, the leader of Hamas, met his end in 2004, and he had ties to Yasser Arafat, longtime leader of the Palestine Liberation Organization. He also passed in 2004. Fanny Blankers Cohen, the flying housewife, she had herself in Olympics in 1948. Artie Shaw, legendary band leader. Reggie White, the day of the tsunami, he passed away. Longtime NFL defensive end. Jerry Orbach, beloved actor. He was on Law & Order for many years. Susan Sontag, feminist and activist, too. John Drew Barrymore, part of the legendary Barrymore acting dynasty. The father of actress Drew Barrymore. And also uncle to Lionel and Ethel Barrymore. His father was the legendary John Barrymore. So quite a acting dynasty of which he was a part. Spalding Gray, a great monologist, or monologist, how do you pronounce that? And Uta Hagen, a legendary actor of many, many years ago. Also, one mention for Dimebag Daryl, Daryl Abbott, most noble for his work with the heavy metal band Pantera. Got gunned down while he was rocking out in Columbus, Ohio. Well, here's a left turn for you. We're going to go in the pop culture corner to wrap this up. In the sports world, an historic event happened in Major League Baseball on the night of October 27, 2004. For the first time since 1918, the Boston Red Sox won the World Series.
Boston Red Sox are world champions. The Idiots had to come back from a three games to none deficit against my club, the New York Yankees, to do in the American League Championship Series, but it was great seeing history made. I don't know if I've told you this story, but for a year and a half toward the end of my college run, I had a, well, not a roommate, I had a, a fellow student who lived next door to me at this place called Reed House, which has long since been torn down. I was a Yankees fan. He was a Red Sox fan. 03-04, a height of that rivalry. Oh, boy. Words were exchanged. Speaking of Boston... The New England Patriots won their second Super Bowl in three years, defeating the Carolina Panthers on a last-second field goal by Adam Vinatieri, much like they did two years earlier. But off the field, all the talk was about the controversial halftime show, especially the moment when Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake, and we had the little quote-unquote wardrobe malfunction, and that got to be all the rage. That was the big topic of discussion away from what happened on the field. A lot of talk there. They clean up the halftime show, and a number of people have said the halftime show of the Super Bowl has really gone down the toilet in the intervening years. With the plans to have the NFL playoffs in a bubble, it's going to be interesting to see how they do there. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. Super Bowl in the time of pandemic. The National Hockey League, the Tampa Bay Lightning, won their first ever Stanley Cup in June. However, it would be a long while before Lord Stanley's Cup would make another appearance. As in September 15th of that year, the National Hockey League went into a labor dispute that would, spoilers, eventually cancel the season for the first time ever. No 04-05 NHL season. In the NBA, the Detroit Pistons won their third ever NBA championship, upsetting the late Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, and the Los Angeles Lakers. Shaq would later flee Southern California for South Florida, join up with the Miami Heat. In NCAA football, the title was split between Louisiana State and the University of Southern California. The Trojans' dynasty was on, even though they did have to share it with an SEC club. College football ain't really going to be the same this year. I'll talk about how football is going to be viewed for these eyes in the next episode. We won't do it here. In college basketball, how's this for history? The University of Connecticut, both men and women, for the first time ever, a school won both men's and women's NCAA basketball tournaments. The women, quite the dynasty they have there in stores, Connecticut. While UConn men won for only the second time ever. It was their second since 1999, believe it or not. International sports now. The Olympics were held in Athens, Greece. Michael Phelps, Usain Bolt were the big names to come out of that. And in the Premier League, Arsenal Football Club went undefeated. They ran the table against everybody. Played 36-136. Well, there may have been a few draws here and there, but they did not suffer a loss any time during the season. What a feat. It's not been done before, so far as I can tell, and it's never happened again. To the box office now, the best picture at that year's Oscars, 2003 movies, best of. The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. How's this for a clean sweep? Nominated in 11 categories and won awards in every stinking one of them. Meanwhile, the top-grossing film of that year, Shrek 2, $441 million. We're going near half a bill on that whole deal. We turn to television. 
couple of beloved series of the 1990s aired their final episodes within a week of each other. On May 6th, after 10 years on the air, Friends aired its last ever episode, and what a big event that was. And that's when big events of this magnitude were a thing. Meanwhile, a week later, Frasier aired its last episode. Most noteworthy in the cast was a Saratoga Springs native named David Hyde Pierce, who played Frasier's brother, Niles Crane. We wrap up with music. We start with music somehow. We're going to end up with music. Best record, Clocks by Coldplay. That led you into the 2003 segment last episode. Meanwhile, how's this? This is memories of my college days. The best album was a double album, Outcast Speaker Box slash The Love Below. And that, ladies and gentlemen, ends our trip to 2004. And now, get ready for crime. Kinda. In this episode, we're here to discuss a little bit about the golden age of radio. Radio started 100 years ago as a medium in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on KDKA when they announced that year's election returns. However, radio would later become a medium of entertainment and a quite popular one at that. The golden age of radio is disputed to have started in 1920, but it went to well about the early 1960s. And during the latter part of that era, television started taking over. It became available to the public, and it later overtook radio as the preferred popular medium of entertainment, information, dissemination, and that whole bit. But we're focusing on old-time radio here, and it's been a on-and-off interest of mine, but now I've really gotten into true crime, and the two converge when one of the great genres of old-time radio. Of course, you had comedies, you had dramas, sitcoms, you know, one thing or another like that. But another genre that was very popular and also more suited towards the theater of the mind that was radio was the detective series. Yes, crime dramas and such. The theater of mind could take you places down to the like down to the streets where all the crime was being committed. And there were many detectives that were there to solve those crimes and bring the perpetrators to justice. Here are a few of my favorites that I've really gotten into the last few months. It redoubled while I was in quarantine. I was sprawled from my job and I had all this time on my hands. One I really enjoyed is uh, The Adventures of Philip Marlowe. Gerald Moore, he himself a great voice for a noir detective. It was a very well-written series. Every episode is just an absolute gem. The Adventures of Sam Spade. What an interesting history with that radio series. Howard Duff wound up being the star of the show. And they were based on the works of Dashiell Hammett. However, during the height of the series' popularity, Howard Duff got blacklisted by the House Un-American Activities Committee because of his involvement with communist sympathizers, which was a real big thing back in the late 40s, early 50s, were in the, out of the immediate shadow of World War II. And also, Dashiell Hammett wound up getting the same treatment as well, so much so that he never got mentioned when the series was revived in radio back sometime in the 1950s. If you're an Anglophile like I am, you'll really get a kick out of The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. There are two great pairings in my estimation. The first came in the 1940s with Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce playing Sherlock Holmes and Mr. Watson respectively, and then there was another series revival, this time with the late actors Sir John Gilgood and Sir Ralph Richardson filling both roles. Taking it back to the States, there was Richard Diamond, Private Detective. I've really gotten into that. Dick Powell was a 
great actor. He had some great singing talents, too, which were usually focused right at the end of every episode. You know, business before pleasure and all that. Well, I should also mention about Sam Spade. There are usually times when the script broke the fourth wall and things got meta. That's when it gets really interesting, in my opinion. Yours truly, Johnny Doll, is another one that everybody should check out. I should probably put the link to where I get some of these episodes and how I listen to them. I'll put that in the show notes. An actor named Bob Bailey, earlier another one named Edmund O'Brien, played the title character, and he was a private investigator of insurance claims. He was a man with the action-packed expense account. Boy, those per diems were getting put to work frequently and often. But the one that started them all was a series that, oddly enough, starred on radio and later found success on television, and that was Dragnet. Even though it started on radio, Dragnet ended up being the start of the police procedural genre as a form of entertainment. As the intro of each episode told you, it took you through the process of how a police department, in this case the LAPD, Los Angeles Police Department, got issued with a crime that they had to solve, and they, you know, they go through like interrogation of possible suspects, people who witnessed the crime, etc., etc., and they go right from when they get wind of a crime that has been committed in Los Angeles, and they go right on down the line to when they capture the suspect. So from right from start to finish, A to Z, soup to nuts, that whole bit. Jack Webb was the star of the show. He played Detective Joe Friday, both in radio and in television. He was truly a great actor. And I remember back in my old workplace many years ago, which seems longer than that nowadays, my friend Tony talked about Jack Webb. He passed away just a week before I was born, or actually a week after, and just two days before Christmas. He almost lived the life of both an actor and a police detective at the same time. But he was considered the man who helped create this sort of thing. And he's responsible, in a sense, for many a forerunner, like the CSI series, NCIS, Law and Order. You have Jack Webb to thank for that. Well, much like radio shows, you can listen to them on podcasts nowadays. Here's some that I recommend and one that I finally remember. One is called Down These Mean Streets. It comes out every Sunday and you get two episodes of the same series like Johnny, like yours truly, Johnny Dollar, Richard Diamond, Private Detective, Dragnet, Sam Spade, etc. Case Closed, though, is more of a mixed bag, so you get two different episodes of two different series. That comes out every Wednesday. Also, speaking of Wednesdays, Down These Mean Streets, since the pandemic began or sometime thereafter... They have midweek comedies for you. Those come out on Wednesday, so if you want your funny bone tickled midweek, that's the place to go. Another general old-time radio podcast that I've dug since long before the pandemic began was a podcast series called Tune to Yesterday. It's actually a radio program that airs on WRVO Public Radio out of Syracuse, New York, Central New York area, so you're talking... Syracuse, Utica, up north in the Watertown. And it airs at 10 o'clock at night, seven days a week. I listen on the podcast. You'll get the 10 o'clock hour immediately after it airs. Well, you'll have to wait a while for the back end, the 11 o'clock hour. And one, speaking of old-time radio on current radio, 
They were the show that I enjoyed. I also listened on the podcast. It was the WGN Radio Theater. Right out of Chicago. I sure miss that. There's some archive episodes, but they haven't produced new ones. Unfortunately, the two hosts have since left the station because the show was canceled. Kind of a bad idea in my opinion, but there you go. At least I have these other podcasts to listen to, and if you're interested like I am, you should check them out. And speaking of stuff to check out, these are more for your eyes rather than your ears. Before I get to podcast shoutouts and end this show, speaking of things you can hear or watch in this case, I decided to freshen up the joint a little bit by giving you some recommendations on what to watch on your smart TV, those newfangled devices, like what I have here in my bedroom at Bullet House. So I'm going to give you some recommendations on what to watch on your TV, a little streaming recommendations, if you will. I don't know what the title of this segment is going to be. It's a work in progress. But I do have a couple of recommendations I would like to lay upon you for your watching pleasure if you have time this holiday weekend. If you have an Amazon Prime account, you certainly have access to Prime Video. You can watch all sorts of stuff on there. I'm going for the classic, just like I did with the segment you just heard on the intersection of old-time radio and true crime. But this has nothing at all to do with true crime, but it's entertainment from a different era. First off, there's a movie on Amazon Prime that you should check out called Kentucky Fried Movie. This is a movie that came out in 1977. And it was the earliest work of Jim Abrams and David and Jerry Zucker, the Zucker brothers. These are the same people, the same trio, if you will, that would later go on to make such comedy classics of the 1980s, like Airplane, the Naked Gun series, the 80s right into the 90s. They have a great cast on there. I don't know if there'd be anybody you'd recognize in the starring cast, but Henry Gibson, you see him in one segment. It's just madcap comedy the way that the Zucker brothers and Jim Abrahams, or Abrahams, I don't know if I'm not pronouncing his name wrong, you see that comedy come through and it would be the basis for what would come later on in the coming decades. So check that out, the Kentucky Fried Movie. And also, as we're staying in the realm of comedy, there are only five episodes, but episodes of the old Kraft Music Hall on NBC where... The Friars Club roasted all these celebrities. Johnny Carson's my favorite. Number one was very funny, especially with Don Rickles. Actually, number one was Don Rickles. Johnny Carson was the roast master. Don Rickles had this amazing talent. He left us just three years ago, but he had this great talent. He it wasn't mean-spirited. It may seem it on the surface, but it wasn't very insulting, especially considering humor these days, where things get more pointed and offensive and there's more questionable content involved. Rickles really didn't go for that. He roasted people. Especially not only people on the dance, but he would just pick on this one person in the audience and he would just absolutely let this person have it. <laughs> oh man. You see that when he's doing he's up at the he's getting roasted and he's the guy who comes on last in the roast and he's the guest of honor. And you see this one person in the audience and a couple of occasions he starts going to town on him. <laughs> it's really good. It's only five episodes, but do check it out. It's interesting stuff. It's a nice little time capsule of life back in the day. Way back in the day. So check those out this holiday weekend. The Kentucky Fried Movie and the Friars Club Roast. All five episodes of them. I wish there had been more. As I prepare to sign off, I just wanted to give some podcast shout-outs here. First off, greetings from Allentown. Peter Winston, last week had a great episode. NWA Worldwide from August 23rd, 1986. Crack show, pack show there. I got to make mention of what happened on the podcast feed two weeks ago. 
WWF Superstars, April 22nd, 1989, where Brutus the Barber Beefcake got a taste of his own medicine, and in the words of the Scar Brothers, somebody said, I cut a you here. The Sportscast with Steve Bennett came back, a great episode with comedian Jim Florentine and author Cornell Reef, and Pete and Steve combined forces for the Adams Division podcast. A special SummerSlam edition, a nice thought experiment, kind of an unusual concept in my opinion, where you have to build the car, but you can't use a wrestler or a, a title. Sorry for a little stir step there. You can't use a wrestler or a title or both. Once you've picked it, it is off the board. You cannot pick it again. So an interesting listen if you're a wrestling fan. And the Breaking Down Show, Pete A. Turner, Gina Smith with great tales of being a spy in Bosnia with the United States Army, and David Bianchi with an enlightening and timely discussion about Black Lives Matter. So check those podcasts out. And there's also my true crime podcast, CR Crime, tales about true crime from New York's capital region where I just wrapped up a three-part series about burglar-turned-serial-killer Gary Evans. So check that shit out when you get a second over this holiday weekend. And I hope it's a happy and safe one for you as I wrap up episode 104 of the Keep It To Yourself podcast. I thank you as ever for listening. I appreciate the support. I never take the audience for granted. Never have, never will. I've already given you the skinny about how and where you can listen to this podcast. The song you're hearing in the background... A real departure from my usual stuff. I usually play Washed Out, Feel It All Around from Portlandia. But this is an artist by the name of Kai Tronada. And the song is called Scared to Death. And given what's been happening recently, some of us are right to feel that way deep inside. But stay strong, that's all I have to say. So out the door. Once again, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you on the next one. And as always, above all else, and now more than ever... Wait for it. Wait for it. Keep smiling. And wear a mask when you're out in the public, will you? Stay safe out there. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Sit, boo-boo, sit. Good dog. <laughs>